Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogue and Johns. Hello, everybody, and welcome into uh, another Hogan Johns. This is Adam Johns again. There is no Adam Hogue on this one uh, again. He is sitting this one out again. But our friend will be back soon enough. Um, he will return, so don't worry about that. But we do have the Fishman back again, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic. What's up, Kev? I'm glad that I didn't blow my opportunity this week and that I am still here and raring to go. It's Johnsy, it's been a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, for everybody um, connected to the the Bears, but uh, it's probably been a week for uh, Adam Hogue as well. Um, what's it going to be like when he comes back? Are you guys going to be able to co- coexist? All right. You know, it's going to be tough. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. Um, let's go. You know, hey, Jermon Bushrod, left tackle for a long time. <laughs> He goes down. Charles Leno steps in, and look, Leno played well, and that was it. And Jermon Bushrod knew he knew that you know his time was up, and it was time to pass the baton to uh, the seventh. I was going to say, and look, Charles Leno Jr. is still playing for the Bears. That was twenty fourteen, uh, fifteen, fifteen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, that story. Yeah, Jake Cutler that was about as, him. That was about as random as an analogy I could probably come up with. So when Adam Hogue listens to this, he is going to be fired up, just so you know. Uh, yeah, and, and considering what Adam Hogue thinks of the Bears' offensive line, if I'm <laughs> Charles Leno in this comparison, I don't think he's going to be too worried about me taking his job. Well, it's better than you know some of the other guys he can compare yes. to. You know, he is a, a starter. All right, here here's the uh, rundown for today. Obviously, the the Bears have had, uh, for lack of of a better way of putting it, a pretty difficult week, pretty hellish week. Um, they closed their facility today because of COVID-19 concerns. We just got off a of Zoom with Matt Nagy. It is 4.45. Uh, it's getting dark outside here in Chicago. That's what happens when the clocks go back, right? So I look outside there, Kev. It's getting dark. One more time. It, yes. Yeah, no, I was just I just looked outside because I just remembered that my, my wife is taking our, the child for a walk and uh, I was just making sure it's not too dark out there. No. Look at the, the uh, good husband that you are. So, all right, quick the, the rundown here. We, we have Kevin Fishbane here filling in for, for Adam Hogue. You can follow him at K Fishbane. It's B A 
J-A-H-N-S-I-N. I spell that right. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You know Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E. Our producer is Kent Garrison. Kent Garrison, just the way it sounds, at Kent Garrison. You can follow him there. And please subscribe to The Athletic. We still got a great deal going on. One dollar per week. Steal the deal. So check us out if you're not subscribing. Um, but we uh, thank you for everything. Please rate and review the podcast. All right, Kev. Crazy stuff at Hallis Hall. Um, it's not the first time they've been through this, but uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has changed things again up north in Lake Forest. Yes, it's been uh, it's been a lot's been going on. You know, they they ended the protocols. What was it Tuesday um, when Jason Spriggs and Jermaine Effetti went on the COVID nineteen list, and then we get word Thursday that they had to close House Hall. I believe you reported it's going to going through a, a deep cleanse um, after another matinee confirmed. So this is kind of confusing. As we're recording this, around as you said near five o'clock, there's a confirmed positive test on the Bears. But it hasn't been confirmed by the league, so that's why nobody was added to the COVID nineteen list because they, you know, they want to be safe. If there's another test they're going to go through, but th- that player's close contacts now have to get quarantined. And John's, as you look ahead to Sunday, whoever that player's close contacts are will not be available for Sunday, right? Because so- they have to quarantine for five days. So we're kind of just waiting to see how much this is going to, you know, again, this, the Bears are going to be putting together the most makeshift offensive line I can remember already. Um, so we don't know what other positions are going to be uh, affected by this. And all this is happening while Mitch Trubisky's in L.A. getting his shoulder checked out. So obviously he will not be the backup quarterback this weekend. So let's do this. Let's listen to, to what Matt Nagy had to say. Uh, he talked to, to us, the media, not too long ago for about 16 minutes over Zoom from his house. Uh We're not going to play the whole thing. It's a lot to get through. But we're going to play the first four minutes for you just to give you some additional context from where he's coming from, where the team stands, what's going on at Hallisall. So here's Matt Nagy from this afternoon. I'll start off here just by obviously we had a a change in our schedule um, and being able to, uh, to move some times around and do some things. So for us, you know, we, we, uh, we had a player test positive. Um, nothing is con- is nothing is confirmed. Um, you know, it's it's something that I can't confirm, but yet we're still trying to get the confirmation through the league as you see that. So knowing that what we thought was good was to be able to make sure that we make the decision to um, just get everybody out of the building, um, kind of reset, do our Zoom meetings, do whatever, whatever meeting, you know, just do our, our meetings. Um, over to computer, which we're used to doing and just be able to kind of explain to everybody what's going on and then, uh, uh, reset. And that's what we've done. And it's kind of taken us to this time. So, uh, as we've said, expect the unexpected. This is stuff that, that goes on day to day, minute by minute. And I appreciate everybody being able to adapt. And that's why we are where we are right now. So with that, I'll go ahead and open it to any questions. Pat Finley. Hey Matt, you said you haven't gotten it confirmed with the league. With the league, does that mean that you put a you gave the guy another test and you're waiting for a result overnight? Uh, what's the difference there from the release uh, this morning? That you have a positive test and go ahead. 
Yeah, I think what happens is in the process of, you know, you have you have somebody uh, test positive and then there, you go through the process of the, the steps of actually confirming it, you know, so uh, there's there's a process to it. And that's kind of where they're at right now. So we just wanted to uh, uh, let them do that. And while they're doing that, we wanted to make sure that, hey, with that being done, let's go ahead and, and let's um, let's just right now, let's get everybody home. Let's get a deep, you know, go ahead and, and, and uh, make sure that everybody's good, get a deep cleanse of the building and, and be able to just continue with where we're at until we get more answers as to where we stand. And then we can um, hopefully get answers tonight and know what's going to happen for tomorrow. Brad Biggs. Coach, is there concern that uh, contact tracing, uh, which I'm sure you've done with uh, for the individual that tested positive, is going to create uh, additional issues for you? That's always a part of that process. And I think, I think Brad, what they're doing right now is looking into all of that just to be able to be super clear as to um, how this goes and the, the tracing that's involved with that. Um, that's the part that takes a little bit of time and they want to make sure that they're doing this thing the right way. And, and uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to Andre Tucker, our trainer and, and everybody that's a part of it, just the communication process of just saying, okay, uh, here's what's happened. Let's make sure that we're we're uh, doing everything the right way um, with the contact tracing, so that we don't have it spread or, or or you know become more of an issue with the team. Kevin Fishbane, Matt. Uh, timeline wise, I know you guys had a couple quarterbacks in this week uh, with Mitch out. Uh, what what is the process? Are you are you able to get somebody theoretically onto the practice squad or the active roster by Sunday based on when they came in? Yeah, I'm not sure about the exact timeline. I, I don't I don't think that that could happen. And, and even with that said, you know, you're talking about somebody that hasn't been around or, or knows the offense very much. So um, time wise, time timeline wise, I don't see anything like that happening. All right, Kev, I want to add that later in the Zoom he did confirm that he is not on that close contact list. So that's positive. So I imagine that includes other other coaches, uh, good news, I, I, I take it, because you don't want your, your head coach on that. But uh, there's a lot to navigate for Matt Nagy and his team and, and his head trainer, Andre Tucker, right now at Hallis Hall. Yeah, and, and one thing, this is this is an, an important distinction I think we need to make. The, the Bears, from everything we've been able to discern, have taken this as seriously as possible. Now, I'm sure every NFL team will tell you the same, but just the way that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and their head trainer, Andre Tucker, have talked about the protocols, have emphasized and hammered hold the importance of wearing masks, what they do to their whole schedule whenever somebody is in the COVID-19 protocol or whatnot, they don't screw around. They take this so seriously, uh, and, and I commend them for that because this is a serious thing that's going on. So, you know, for them to be kind of going through this, you know, the game is almost uh, uh, secondary in terms of just getting, making sure everyone's healthy, making sure everyone knows where they're supposed to be at all times. And, and Matt Nagy's done a very good job of navigating this. And I pointed this out on Twitter today. I, I know that the head coach has gotten a lot of vitriol. I get it. Totally understand it. But I, I do think it's worth noting and he he singled out Andre Tucker, so we should also single out Andre Tucker, the team's trainer. But I think it's worth noting the way that Matt Nagy has navigated what is just, you know, look, 
nobody signed up to be when you're an NFL head coach to to deal with this. And and I think that you know he's taking this he's taking this very seriously. And he's still taking it seriously tonight. He's still navigating it tonight just because they shut down the building for a deep cleanse on Thursday morning. Doesn't mean it's over on Thursday night or Friday morning as we record this. Again, a lot of fluid parts. They don't know if they're going to have, have practice on Friday. Uh, Nagy did confirm there'll be Zoom meetings, but in terms of getting on the field after missing a day of being on the field, they don't know if they're going to have that. So by the time you're listening to this, there could be more out there on Twitter. There could be more out there on Friday morning. So just bear with us uh, as we get through this podcast because there's a lot of things to navigate through. It's it's always fluid when the positive tests come in. There's sometimes false positives. There's guys who test positive a couple days later after this. So there's a lot of moving pieces always with this COVID-19 pandemic, especially when it comes to these NFL teams. Yeah, and the reports that we saw earlier today, John Z, made it seem like this game is not in jeopardy of being rescheduled. Um, now, the NFL is in a tough spot because the Titans already had their schedule thrown up in the air. You know, we talked to, you know, you'll hear from Joe Rexford in a bit, who kind of, he went, our Titans reporter went through all that. They play on Thursday, so you can't move the game to Monday or Tuesday. Um, and it's going to be difficult for them to find another day, uh, another week that works. So that, and I, I just don't know if the NFL is going to reschedule games anymore, unless something, you know, unless there's a serious outbreak. Um, I, I always go back to something Peter King wrote in April, which was teams essentially have to prepare for everything, but also that this is going to be unfair, right? That, you know, the, the Bears might, I, I think that if this game was, if this was week two and we had yet to have a canceled game in the NFL, I think this game would be postponed by now because of everything, all the uncertainty surrounding the Bears. But because so much has happened, you know, we're, we're talking Thursday afternoon. The 49ers and Packers are kicking off in a couple hours, and both those teams have a bunch of guys on the COVID-19 list. So it's just it's just a different situation. It's unfortunate because uh, COVID-19 is spiking across the country, so we're going to continue to see that correlate with teams. At the same time, the NFL is going to be less willing to move games around. So, you know, but that's where it comes back to your head coach being like, look, this is the cards were dealt. You just have to figure it out. That's why you have to have a bunch of undrafted rookies on your offensive line. Who knows what they're going to look like at other positions on Sunday. They're just going to have to try to get through it. What was his message to his rookies that he relate to us? Be ready. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Kev, uh, it's time to get to one of my favorite segments that we do every week on this podcast where we take advantage of the, the arsenal of reporters and writers and columnists that we have here at The Athletic. It's where we talk to the uh, opposing beat writer, per se. And this week, we get to talk to Joe Rexroad in Nashville. Uh, You can follow him at Joe Rexroad. That's R-E-X-R-O-D-E. He's a senior writer and columnist for The Athletic in Nashville. You can also hear him on the Robbie and Rexroad show on ESPN 102.5, the game in Nashville. What's up, Joe? Hey guys, thanks for having me. How you doing? 
Good, good, good. We got some COVID storylines here going in Chicago on this yeah. fine Thursday. But you guys have been through that down there, right, in, in Tennessee? I mean, this is an old hat down there, ain't it? Yes, it's. They've definitely. There have been some COVID uh, issues here with the Titans, and you know, you mentioned the radio show. Basically, it got to be very, very Groundhog Day, like on the air, and then wait for Tom Pelissero's tweet at you know, like seven a.m., and then like send my text to confirm it, you know, with the Titans, and then you know, jump in on the headlines as you know we do at the Athletic. So. I will say that um, I don't miss those days at all. So hopefully this uh, thing is uh, limited and, and uh, you know, taken care of. Yeah, Joe, and I think a lot of our colleagues around the league are dealing with that now when you see what's happening in Green Bay and San Francisco and it was the Texans today and obviously the Bears. And, you know, the, the biggest impact on the game Sunday uh, for the Bears is the offensive line, uh, which brings me to my first uh, football question is – is this is this the perfect recipe for the Titans' pass rush to finally wake up? And kind of what's gone wrong for them uh, in that pass defense? Well, Kevin, I would say great recipe for the Titans to get well, except they just played what will undoubtedly be the worst offensive line they'll see this year, at least in terms of on paper. I mean, really a practice squad offensive line in Cincinnati. Four guys from the week before, not on the field, five total change out of five from the opening day starting lineup and, you know, undrafted guys and guys moving around a couple, you know, significant uh, backups who they had ready to go, but uh, an offensive line that if they didn't take advantage of that last week, I don't know what they take advantage of moving forward. And it's just, you know, they have one really excellent player up front in Jeffrey Simmons and he gets double teamed a lot. And then they've had, they paid nine and a half million dollars for Vic Beasley to give them some kind of four-man pass rush. He's cut. They paid $13 million with incentives up to 15 to Jadavion Clowney to transform their front and give them a pass rush and a presence up there, and he's done very little. So it's just – I mean, last year they were middle of the pack in the NFL, like 41 sacks. They were pretty good on third down. They struggled. You know, they had to do a lot of blitzing. They had Dean Pease at D coordinator, and he was masterful at – scheming things up and getting, you know, DBs blitzing and finding a way to get enough pressure. But the big offseason thing was, look, if this team's going to take the next step, they've got to be able to rush the passer with four guys, and they've gone backward. They have seven sacks this year. They are on pace right now to be by far the worst third-down defense in NFL history. Wow, wow. Like seven sacks. Yeah. Like like, like Nick Foles was sacked five times last week, so maybe (laughs) – you know, getting after the the statue that Foles is and going against guys like Alex Bars, Arlington Hambright, Lachavius. I mean, stop me if you've heard of these guys before. So <laughs> it, it, it could help, but seven sacks, it's just like any, like Beasley's cut a lot of money there. Clowney, I mean, 15 million bucks, no sacks for him this year. I mean, what are we learning about Jadavian Clowney? Well, and and the thing is, look, he had three sacks with Seattle last year, right? So, I mean, Clowney's – I mean, his career high is nine and a half. He's not – I mean, he's just a unique player, right? You expect him to set the edge and be a dominating three-down player who can still get you tackles for loss and pressures in some sacks. But, I mean, I didn't – like, I I wasn't tying this season to him to, like, he better get ten sacks for the first time ever. 
But one thing we're learning is that he's just way overvalued. I mean, that's what I see. I mean, last week, so you mentioned Foles as a statue. Last week, there were a couple plays where Burrow got away from him, and maybe some guys, Clowney finishes the play. But overall, he's not done enough. He is, and even setting the edge, uh, the run game, he's made mistakes. And I guess, you know, he's had a little bit of a knee thing this year. He's in this system for the first time. You can make excuses, but at some point, it's like, well, what is, what is this investment uh, becoming? And the thing is, now there's more pressure on him. You cut Vic Beasley, who, again, like did zero. did at, It's a disastrous signing by John Robinson. Um, and after Clowney and Harold Landry, who's a pretty good third-year pass rusher, like an eight-sack guy. But after them, you're, you're going practice squad undrafted guys to try to get any kind of production. Joe, when I look at Ryan Tannehill, I think Bears fans would kill for Ryan Tannehill. And, uh, you know, I th- Adam Johns wrote about it this week, some kind of Mitch Trubisky comparisons there as Mitch enters free and see what happened to Tannehill when he left Miami. Uh, and I've been impressed that the guy has followed up last year and, and shown it's not a fluke. And, you know, Chuck Pagano today talked about, you know, top five in so many different passing categories. Uh, what's What's been working for Tannehill now in year two? Uh, and how have how do you see them handling what the Bears are going to try to do, obviously, with the Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, and, and the pass rush. Yeah, he's been excellent. He, he really has been. I mean, the numbers aren't lying about him. He's been outstanding. Now, last week he did, I think, the worst decision of his basically full NFL season now with the Titans. On the first drive of the game, he threw a terrible pick on first and goal um, that two guys would have picked before A.J. Brown caught the ball. But He's been outstanding. He's a lot more athletic than I realize. Accuracy pre-snap. Um, he he can he throws the deep ball well. I mean, he's got plenty of zip. He, you know, I will. I think one thing that I learned with Tannehill, like last year, I did this story. I went back after a few weeks of this. I'm like, so this isn't smoke and mirrors. Like, what what are, what is going on here? And it's, sure, it helps to have Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry also took a huge jump last year with Tannehill. As his quarterback, I went back and, you know, his his Miami tenure was actually a lot better than I realized. And I think it's true probably for a lot of people. I just thought of him as a blah average QB and a pretty bad team. I mean, he did have some good seasons, some really good numbers. He was taking them to the playoffs in 2016. He blew his knee, you know. So a little bit. And then eventually it's like they, they were just moving on from him. So that was better than I realized. But still, it doesn't explain all the jumps he's made. Um, from then to here. I think system does to some extent and maybe just a fresh start thing, but he, he is definitely the, he is the shiny example now of sometimes you get that, that uh, new uh, address and things can come together for you. And some of the things that were just dragging you down aren't there anymore. And uh, he's been great. Now the big thing with the, with this offense, which I would argue two weeks ago was Maybe the best offense in the league outside of Kansas City is that they lost their left tackle, Taylor Lewan. You're talking about a Pro Bowl caliber player, and it has affected them. I mean, you you simply – now, I think this week may have been the first time the Titans would have said, okay, yeah, we may need to even help him a little bit with, you know, with Khalil Mack, right? But for the most part, they've been able to just say, hey, go t- handle whoever's out there, and you know, then we can devote resources to other things. They've had to do a lot more chipping – and leaving guys in 
and doubling. And it'll be interesting this week with, as you said, a terrific front for the Bears. Um, it, it, it changes them, and it has impacted their bottom line. I mean, the Steelers really got up Tannehill in that first full game without Lawan, and we know the Steelers are excellent. But I think this is a similar test in terms of multiple guys you have to worry about. So uh, I want to go back to that Steelers game a little bit because that's they started off 5-0. and They faced the Steelers, like you mentioned, serious injury on the line. Then you have that disappointing game in the Bengals. So if you had to – I mean, is it that massive loss at left tackle that's kind of lingering and kind of affecting things, or is there more to it, to, to the struggles? Is it, you know, the – you know, playing behind the chains or whatnot, or falling behind and not being able to, you know, have the the, the horses to, to keep up a bit. Like, what's going on, you know, as opposed to the first five games, five and zero oh, to these past two games, you know, two losses. Yeah, no, it's a good question, Adam. And I do think that if you had to put the the top of the list to me is the defense betraying the offense. So, for example, Derrick Henry, the Steelers do a really good job on him in the first half. But what happens a lot with Derrick Henry is defenses really do get sick of him and, and they get worse at tackling him. So he had an eight-carry, 43-yard drive against the Steelers, and they're, and he's just rolling. And that puts him to 20 for 75 in that game. He scores with like 10 and a half minutes left, and it's a three-point game. So at that point they are set up for exactly what they love to do, which is just kill people with him in the fourth quarter. And he never got another carry because the Steelers then took eight minutes off the clock and they kept dinking and dunking on that awful third down defense. The Titans ended up getting a pick in the end zone. But again, by that time it's two minutes to go and you just got to throw it down the field. They miss a field goal to tie last week. I, I mean, Derrick Henry could have run for two fifty on the Bengals if their defense didn't uh, just ruin the game for them. You know, they're down 17 points. You get a turnover, you get a missed field goal. They had a, a series where they – a 75-yard drive, one incomplete pass. The rest, they just ran the ball and went right down the field. And But, again, then you get to 17 down and you, you're, he's off the field and your third down back's on the field. So um, it really is – number one is the defense not letting them possess the ball. Their time of possession is terrible for such a good running team. But again, you, if you're giving up 62.5% on third down, and it doesn't matter if it's third and three or third and 11, it's just going to affect everything. And that's it's finally starting to catch up with them. But also, Adam, you know, the 5-0 and start, you can look carefully at it and say, boy, whew, good thing Goskowski hit six field goals in this game. And boy, had to have the late drive against the Jaguars to win that game after letting them back in the game. Let the Texans back in the game with that defense. So, um, again, I, it, it really is. It's been a great offense and a bad defense. It's been enough for them, and the defense is finally starting to catch up. And my, I guess my question is, you know, moving forward, is the when you take Luan out of that offense, is that just enough to, you know, knock them down a peg to really put this team in trouble? So, Joe, what I'm gathering is if the Titans and Bears combined forces, they'd be a pretty pretty good team. <laughs> Titans exactly. offense, Bears defense. And, <laughs> and what's interesting, too, about the way that – because I, I think for from Chicago's perspective, they saw what the Titans did last year, and you kind of think, well, man, if the Bears could just run an offense like that, you know, concentrate on the run, make things easier for the quarterback, they'd be okay. But there's something else that kind of holds Tennessee back that Bears fans are familiar with, and that's the kicker. And I'm wondering, yeah. with Goskowski this year, what's it been like, especially because you know, you're on the radio, so you're hearing from people all the time, and you're around the team, so you're seeing it. What's it been like in, in around town, around the team, with what he's dealt with throughout the season? 
Well, the crazy thing is, yeah, and of course, Cody Parkey was one of the many kickers in here last year who had a cup of coffee uh, with the Titans, and that didn't work out. So really a big mistake for them. So they, I mean, he was fine. Cairo Santos, who's doing well this year. It's, it's incredible looking around the league um, at all the guys who have been through here who are doing better elsewhere. But, you know, Santos went over four last year. They get bringing Parkey. He's fine. But Ryan Suckup is, they think, healthy. So they bring him back. He's not healthy. He's terrible. And they cut him. Um, and so – they end up, you know, parting ways. And he had been a really good kicker here for a long time. Now he's lighting it up in Tampa Bay. And they they had Greg Joseph, who was fine, but really they didn't they basically got out of the habit of kicking field goals last year. I mean, they were eight for eighteen on the year. Now, one of the things about that is Tannehill's throwing a touchdown pass every time they're in the red zone. I mean, they were unbelievable in the red zone. So anyway, they have Greg Joseph, but then Rabel's buddy Gotskowski lives in Nashville. You know, we had the surgery last year. He obviously went downhill fast, but still, you're talking about one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history and a guy who obviously Vrabel knows well, but they they were okay with Greg Joseph based on camp. You know, you didn't have the preseason games to put a little more pressure on it, but they made the move right before the season to sign Goskowski and cut Joseph. And – uh it's been just – it's been almost bizarre. He missed all these field goals in the opener, but he hit, kicks the winner at Denver. He actually kicks the game-winning field goal the first three weeks, but he's also 10-17 this year. And it's – you know, it looked like – again, he saved him. He was – he hit six field goals at Minnesota. Um, but he's been bad lately, and so they've got to be close there too. They just cut their long snapper, by the way, which I know – I know you guys are hoping we get into the Titans' long snapping issues – on this guest appearance, but yeah, uh, <laughs> let, let me um, cross my next question out. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no kicker is a problem. It's a problem. It sounds Special like is a problem. It sounds like Joe, you know what Mike Vrabel should do is hold this, this very unique and special off season derby where you bring in like 18 kickers and you have them all kick. And then you bring the media out there to have them chronicle it, kick by kick by kick. And then everybody just ignores your offense for, for a couple of weeks and the focus is on the kickers. That's, that seemed to work out right for the Bears, right, Kev? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun for us. I think I think every beat writer should get the opportunity to uh, cover a kicking derby. It does sound fun. It was different. It was different. Um, if you're looking at matchups in this game, um, for me – it's Derrick Henry against a pretty, we've used this word a lot in this podcast, leaky run defense. They've given up a, a lot of big ones, a lot of chunk runs this year to, to various running backs. So it, for, for you, Joe, when you look at the, the, the matchups, the on-the-field stuff, what do you see? To me, it's Derrick Henry and this Bears run defense. Any other matchups stand out to you? Yeah, well, I think that's a great one, of course, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, it seems like the Bears, you know, like you said, they're not as stout. I think of them as just an all-around solid defense, but the numbers aren't great, so I, I find that interesting and a little bit surprising. And I would also go back to what we talked about at the top. I mean, it's that offensive line – um, maybe, you know, with a quarterback who's a little easier to, to sack on his own than like the guy they just saw, but against this completely feeble Titans pass rush. Um, and, you know, another part of that is you know, just the pa- the passing defense, passing offense 
I do think the Titans are getting a Dory Jackson back. He's designated. This is his third week of being designated for return. He's their best corner. Um, and that certainly will help them. And then, of course, they signed Desmond or they traded for Desmond King, who may just play in the slot Sunday after being allowed to show up Saturday for the first time. Um, not sure about that, but that's kind of the situation. So part of their terrible defense has been, you know, really being bad in the back and being banged up slash bad. So they could be a lot better there against a very good receiving core. All right, Joe, I already know your pick because uh, you sent it to me earlier, but uh, tell our listeners where you're leaning uh, for this Bears-Titans game, which I've already seen football outsiders call it uh, the game to determine which team is a fraud. Mm, the fraud bowl. I like fraud it. Bowl. Um, yeah, I went 27-24 Titans. You know, basically not a huge – I mean, you know, not a huge show of confidence in the Titans uh, – defense i mean but i think that derrick henry will have a better day and i think Tannehill is you know he's a really good player they've got a lot of good weapons aj brown Corey davis has played really well so i think the titans in a close game and i'm never wrong so sorry bears fans you made no reason even to watch the game maybe another gaskowski winner I guess that would be, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that would be. So this is, I guess you're right. This is actually a, a, a vote of confidence for Gaskowski because that would be, what, that would be two made field goals if it's conventional scoring. So <laughs> I didn't even realize I was giving Stephen Gaskowski a vote of confidence when I made up that score. Yeah, there we go. Um, all right. Well, well thanks, Joe. Um, that was great stuff. Um, you can follow Joe at Joe Rex Road on Twitter. That's R-E-X-R-O-D-E, uh, writer for us in Nashville. Thanks, Joe. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Really appreciate it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces 
maybe with a Hogan Johns pull or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, fish man. It's time for the three big questions, and this this was my week to prepare them. I don't have them for Hogue. Hogue again is sitting this out. He'll be back soon, everybody. All right, Kev. Question number one: Can the Bears hold Derrick Henry under 100 yards rushing on Sunday? I think they can, and I'm going to use some historical data here, John. You know, I love my my numbers. Fishbane fun facts. And, and well, I'm going to get into, I, I understand what I'm about to go through might be a little outdated, but here are the only players to run for 100 yards against the Bears since Matt Nagy took over in 2018. You ready for this list? All right. Mike Boone, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Latavius Murray, Ronald Jones, the only one so far this season and Frank Gore in that crazy game Miami. Now, here's the reason I bring up that list. Saquon Barkley, to me, is the only one of those six who you knew the defense was going to be focused on him, right? Like that, that like of the other guys I listed, you know, the Bears were not game playing to stop Ronald Jones, right? They weren't game playing to stop Latavius Murray last year. Even Frank Gore in Miami a couple years ago. So I feel like this defense, when they realize that they everybody has to stop the running back, when he's been the key, they've done a good job in the past of holding him to under 100 yards. Is that is that How do you feel about that logic? Because hmm. as I like I'm it. saying yeah, it now, yeah. I, I'm not sure how much of it. Because then the flip side is this is something we talked about last week, is this Bears defense has given up more 10-yard-plus runs to running backs already in eight games than the previous two years. I feel like the way I view Derrick Henry versus the run defense, and I brought it up with with Joe because I, I it's the most obvious weak spot uh, of the Bears' defense, and there's all sorts of reason for it, starting with you know Ed, Eddie Goldman not being part of the team this year because he, cause he opted out, to uh, Danny Trevathan, Starting to finally look like himself to Roquan Smith, still learning how to handle the signals there, you know, in the middle. And some of it's just flat out poor tackling. Derrick Henry will embarrass you if you're not ready for this. Like, he will run you over. This will be another grown man running you over. We saw what he did was to, to Josh Norman, right? To, to where he, the stiff arm 
from uh, <laughs> Stefan from hell, whatever you want to call it, he took another grown man and threw him. If you're not ready to tackle in this game, Derrick Henry will embarrass you. You ha- I-, I feel like this is deja vu to some other conversation we, we had like years ago but over on this podcast. But that's that's what could happen in, in this game if you're not ready, if you're not going to break down, if you're not going to be physical on the attack. I think the linebackers are going to be ready for it. So I'm looking at the, the second there. We know Kyle Fuller is going to bring it, but but Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson's had some questions about his tackling. you got to bring it against this guy. Uh, from the scouts I talked to in the uh, northwest side, it reminds me of the middle John's child. I hear he's he's a, he throws some stiff arms in the flag football field. <laughs> he's actually quite the tackler. Quite oh, the tackler, yeah. Both, um, so I, I was looking through Derrick Henry's numbers. Obviously, leading rusher, you know, most yards per game, all that. Uh, interestingly, he's not necessarily had a lot of explosive runs this year. He ranks 22nd uh, in that category in terms of percentage of his carries that go for a lot of yards. But we know how he he, he kills you. It's by these five, six-yard runs over and over again. So I'll throw this at you, Johns. I think the, the problem with holding Derrick Henry under 100 yards is going to be the Bears' offense. Because when we've seen this defense look bad in tackling, it's been games when, think back to Philadelphia last year, yeah. Think back to L.A. a couple weeks ago. It's been the games that the offense is not good, and especially in the first half, and the defense gets tired. And, and the other thing about those games, you go back to Miami 2018. Oh, that was a little weird because of the, the, the heat that day. Um, road games, right? You know, uh, though, that, though, Let me go back to that list of 100-yard uh, games. Uh, four of those were on the road. So... You know, mo- most of the most of the guys that have beat the Bears badly with the run game have been when the Bears' offense has struggled and when the Bears have been on the road. So it, it, it lends in that direction because, as we'll, I'm sure we'll get to, it's hard to be too excited about this Bears' offense, even if this is going to be the worst defense they've faced in a long time. All right. Second question. It's about that Bears' offense. Can the Bears' offensive line, whatever that is, whomever that is, Hold up against that bad defense you mentioned. Uh, I don't know. That's not the answer you were looking for, was it? Well, because let the me, Bengals just did it. The Bengals did it, and and there are I just there are ways to scheme around a bad offensive line. Like there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, help them. Uh, go back to that Saints game last week. Uh, I know uh, the all 22 that I had up on the athletic. If you looked at the best, those big time pass plays Nick Foles had, great protection, right? Now, it wasn't necessarily a man being a man on the other side. It was Cordero Patterson being the play fake in the backfield and the defense kind of biting on it. Uh, so it was play design that was helping create a clean pocket for Nick Foles. So I think that's going to be key for Matt Nagy is how can you use misdirection, jet motion, play action, all these, anything you can do to make, to really throw that defense off because you just can't count on your guys up front to stop the guys in front in front of them. I, I'm very intrigued, John Z, to see what the game plan looks like. Like this has got to be, if you're Matt Nagy, I think there's probably a balance of like terror, but also excitement. Like, right? Like I think back to, 
you know, I'll I'll compare it to when I've coached, you know, little league baseball here. You know, when you're when you're down for the count and you you have this huge challenge ahead of you, and, and I remember pl- like if my team was was just totally outmatched, and I would find these little advantages like bunting all the all game long, and, <laughs> you know, stealing oh, bases God. left and right, and okay, and it's just a little di- bit better. You know, just different things that like it's like okay, we're not going to hit this guy, but we're really good bunting team, and they're they're having trouble in the field, or you know, th- they're not hitting this guy. You know, like there's different things. Like I feel like there's there's that element of as a coach, you you absorb, you embrace the challenge, and I feel like for Matt Nagy, this is just the ultimate challenge of how do you keep Nick Foles upright and how do you move the football. With you're gonna have a, potentially four guys starting at a position they've never played at in the NFL. Question number three. You're good. At, you're good at like transitioning to from question to question. <laughs> have to say, you may have looked at the questions. On a scale of one to ten, what type of statement game is this for Matt Nagy and Nick Foles? Given everything. The, the Trubisky conversation, the struggles from Foles to this point with the injuries on the offensive line and the concerns of COVID-19. John, see, my answers and segues can only be as good as the questions. So take that for what it's worth. Um, here's, here's the way I'll He's answer. so that. nice, everybody, isn't he? Wait till you see a text message that I'll send later. Um, here's, here's the way I look at that question. If they win... It's the ultimate statement game, right? That they they pulled this rabbit out of the hat. You know, a great game plan to adjust. Nick Foles, you know, puts it all together when nobody expected him to. If they lose, I think that the narrative is going to be, well, of course they lost. They were missing their entire offensive line. They're on the road against a really good offense. Like, not many people. They're six and a half point underdogs. Of course they lost. So I, I think that you know it's one of those things that if you're Matt Nagy, goes back to that kind of throwing the kitchen sink when you're making your game plan. You don't have a ton to lose from a credibility standpoint because I, I think it's going to be hard to really blame Matt Nagy if they lose a game when you look at who's starting in front of Nick Foles. So a five. Yeah, we'll go five. <laughs> right, that's a good call because if they win, I think that's like a nine or a ten. If yes, they lose, yes. it's like... Eh, okay, you you lost to you lost on the road to a good team without a bunch of starters. It it's it's yeah, but they're not in the excuses. The, the excuses are there, but they can't use those excuses right now because every team, I guess, is, is dealing with it. It's it, in five and fours. The the odds are making the playoffs decrease a bit. It, it's a big game for them. It's a big game. You know the defense. Um, the Titans' defense is not very good. They're the worst third down defense. In the league, so like, given the problems up front, given who's playing, like the Bears should have some offensive success. The Bengals just did it. I, I know they got Joe Burrow, but they, they're still the Bengals. I mean, come on! Like Nick Foles should be able to get, you know, some time in the pocket. He shouldn't be able to make the, the right reads every now and then. He should ha- have a couple big plays in that arm to Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller. There, there should be plays on the field for him. Um. Big game for both of them. It, it really is. So I switched the the listener question on you. I took it out. We had a full Q&A with everybody on Tuesday. So I'm sorry to the one listener who got their question removed today. I added another one in there today, given 
the the concerns of today. Um, this is more of an open ended question. How much do you think the idea of who the heck is going to play is going to uh, uh, affect the Bears this week? You know what I'm talking about. Like, there's so much uncertainty already because of bodily injuries, and now the pandemic has entered your building. the The unknown of who the heck is going to play. I mean, it's got to be a factor in this game. I think so. You know, that was kind of the question I asked Nick Foles yesterday was this idea. Like I was asking specifically about center, you know, because it's like that, you know, you find out that Cody Whitehair is not available. Sam Mustafer is not available. Like if you're Nick Foles, I got to imagine like you, you got to figure out, you got to meet a, a guy who's never played center before in the NFL. Um, so, but here's the thing that I, I come back to with this. These guys are wired differently they just are so much programmed it's it's somewhat to a fault to this next man up mentality and 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 i mock it it's cliche but that's just how football players and coaches are like yes this is a huge issue that they're dealing with and it's it's wild how many guys are going to be missing but that's just like they're just so wired to just like all right if i gotta play this position or if I've got to have this guy protected me, if I've got to have this guy snapping me, so be it. We got to play ball. So I, I, I wonder, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a factor, but I don't know how much the, like it's going through these guys' minds. Next man up, next man up. Yeah. Story now, of this story I of do, this year. I do generally have a problem when coaches are like, hey, it's next man up. It's like, well, the guy who's the next man up is the next man up for a reason. So obviously you're not going to look as good. Um, but I, I did have enough people commenting last week, John Z, on that all 22, asking me, is the backup offensive line better than the starting <laughs> offensive <laughs> yeah, line? Yeah. It, it, well, that's the, the argument there. The, yeah. the starters weren't exactly playing lights out, effective, efficient football up front. There was a lot of struggles. And that comes back to your head coach and your quarterback trying to make these guys look good. Uh, And on some of those explosive plays, they did. Now, they also gave up five sacks. So We're going to do our our bold predictions and picks here in a second. But generally, I think when you have your backups come in, reserves, second stringers, third stringers, which is the case uh, on the offensive line, there's a move towards simplicity. And I just think in general, simplicity is what this offense needs. You know what I'm saying? Like Nick Foles just, he's not on the same page as Matt Nagy. They want to do different things out there, it seems like. I think simplifying having a smaller playbook, a smaller play sheet will help everybody, starting with that offensive line and Nick Foles. And I think fewer personnel packages that's what i mean yeah you know like for example yes yes riley ridley is probably going to be active but i don't know about you john c but i get the sense that riley ridley is not going to be playing very much on sunday no no and and what that does is you take those 18 to 20 plays javon wims got a game and you throw them out and that means more reps for anthony that the you know the 11 personnel with anthony miller or more reps for cole Komet. It does not, I do not think it's going to mean more reps for Riley Ridley. So, you know, that could that that could be part of forcing Matt Nagy to 
go to these personnel groupings that are just a little bit more you know stable and static throughout the game. As much as we praise the two tight ends in training camp, I think we're starting to see that 11 personnel is the Bears' strongest position group, or at least package, I should say, with Darnell Mooney being that explosive deep threat, Anthony Miller being that slack guy, and some mix of, of Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. Like some of those plays you saw Jimmy Graham run where Troy Aikman was just ripping him, I think Cole Komet needs those plays now too. It's it's time to go full on Cole Komet. Now, he didn't practice today, we should say. That's true. Today. Yeah, that was that. That could be a little uh, another concern for them. But hey, that's what you got Demetrius Harris for. Bears fan <laughs> yeah. favorite. By the way, how how happy is Troy Aikman that he's not going to get a Bears game at least for another few weeks? Yeah, yeah, well, we'll probably vary. I bet you he requested to never call a Bears game. <laughs> yeah. you he, could, was very, he was very disgusted with what he was watching last well, week. He, his words were descriptive enough, but gosh, I imagine what he was holding. Just imagine what he was holding back in his head because you want to be fair and balanced, but Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl winner, did not like what he saw. Bold predictions, Kev. What do you think of this game? How many bold predictions do I need to come up with again? Just one. Just Let me go first. Sure, go ahead. I'll, I'll go first because I think this is a very bold prediction, and I've been on, on fire with these, by the way. Yeah. David Montgomery will score two touchdowns Whoa. in this game. Two. Count them two. I'm not saying one of them is going to – both of them are going to be rushing. Maybe a swing pass, screen pass in there. Um, maybe a throw. Maybe a passing touchdown. Maybe a throw. Yeah, yeah. Pull it all out. It's time. Two touchdowns, David Montgomery. I love the way he played uh, against the Saints. Uh, I think people are starting to to see what he can do. You know, when he gets to the second level, I, I, I think the respect is there more, at least nationally. He could benefit maybe from a simplified approach too. So David Montgomery, two touchdowns in this game. Uh, do you? Ha- I assume then you have the Bears scoring 14 points total? Uh, we'll get to that. Picks are next. Um, uh, just so folks know, David Montgomery was a dual-threat quarterback in high school. So if you're thinking about emergency quarterbacks, wildcat quarterbacks, there, there you go. go. Um, here's mine. I'll stay on offense. My bold prediction, Nick Foles does not get sacked more than one time. Ooh. They are just going to put so much emphasis in designing a game plan that protects him, and he cannot put himself in position to get hurt, knowing that Mitch Trubisky is not there behind him. I think that that overemphasis on protecting him from all angles and the fact that the Titans are so bad at rushing the quarterback, uh, I I think Nick Foles stays upright pretty much all game. Seven sacks all year. Yeah, just I mean, so maybe it's not the boldest prediction, but I, I mean, I think the the obvious thing is like you look at that offensive line, you look at statuesque Nick Foles, you think he's going to get sacked a few times. I'm going to say no, not so fast, my friend. Okay, you know okay. I'll make it zero sacks. That's a Whoa. bold prediction, right? That's bold. That's bolder. I'll okay. say zero sacks for Nick, Nick Foles. Did not get sacked once. Got sacked Sunday. five times last week. Just just saying. Okay, yeah. Yeah. all right. Um, picks. So I'll go first. I don't have the fun soundboard that Adam Hogue has, so he is missed at this point when we're going through our picks. You can't insert Chris Emma or George McCaskey or Josh Sitton and a Patrick Finley laugh. We don't have that at our disposal right now, and Chris Emma has given us gold this season, so I'm sorry to everybody. But here's my pick. I think people might like this. Total gut pick here. 
Bears win. I'm going to say, well, we got the Montgomery touchdowns in there, like 22-18. Uh, 22-17. 22-17. Uh, I don't know how they're going to get to 22. Uh, just happens that way <laughs> sometimes. But just total gut pick there. I, I, I don't think the – I think the Titans have been exposed a bit over the past couple weeks. Their defense – is not good. I think the Bears' defense really shows up to play. Maybe a couple turnovers, uh, takeaways, I should say. They make the statement. They have their statement game on the road against a AFC caliber playoff team. There it is. I like twenty-two it. seventeen. So I actually picked the Bears to win last week, which looked pretty good uh, before the final ninety seconds of the first half. Um. So I'm going with the Titans in a close one. So it's a Bears cover because that is how I hedge. Because I I do think there's something to be said of this. There's nothing to lose. You throw everything out there and just see what happens. And it's yeah. the NFL. And th- weird, weird things happen. And they don't want to lose three in a row, obviously. Um, but my worry, John Z, is not so much Derek Henry. It's Ryan Tannehill. Because... This defense, as good as it's been, but bent but don't break, struggles when you're facing such an efficient quarterback. Like he could just, I just feel like, especially if Derrick Henry's running the ball fine, that Tannehill's going to be able to kind of move the ball downfield with ease. Uh, and, and I'm worried about how that could spiral for the Bears. Um, so I'm going to say Titans 23, Bears 20. Oh. A little too normal of a score from what I usually do. But, yeah, 23-20 Titans, but the Bears cover is in there so that when the Bears win, I could say, well, I picked them to cover, and you're against the spread record is all that matters. Yeah, we should say, well, that's what you always say. Uh, we should say the bear the Bears are getting six points. Uh, the Titans are favored um, quite heavily. Uh, so, yeah, I guess my, my pick is even a, a bold prediction itself, I should say. All right, let's run down these other games really quick. Uh, just breezing over this Thursday night game because we always pick uh, NFC North games. We've got the Packers at 49ers. 49ers are plus seven. Uh, no need for analysis here. Aaron Rodgers in a route. Recording this at 516 now on, on Thursday. This this game starts in two hours. So Packers. Yeah, Packers. The 49ers just don't have anybody right now. So. That is true. All right, noon on CBS. Lions at Vikings. Vikings are minus four. We have an NFC North game here. Uh, Lions, Matthew Stafford was on the uh, COVID-19 reserve list, was he not? Yeah, why is this on our list here? Can we uh, can we pick this game without knowing Matthew Stafford's... Uh... Well, I'll say this, Johnsy. If Chase Daniel starts that game, we know what he's done... <laughs> With not a whole lot of time going on the road, NFC North, you know, that's when he's at his best. He's not at his best when another team has a full week to prepare for him. Ah, the old Chase Daniel tape. So valuable. I'm going Vikings in this, even with Matthew Stafford. That's a big win they had over the, the Packers last week. Down 14. Yeah. They're feeling good. Dalvin Cook's running well. Chase Daniel, 2-0 and as Bears quarterback when uh, filling in against <laughs> an still, NFC North team. 2-0. Still, uh, 
Uh, I'm gonna wait. let Chris Burke okay. know that stat. Our Detroit Lions reporter. We'll make sure to get him that good. stats. Who'd you pick? It. Just pick pick your team here. Uh, yeah, Lions. Lions are gonna cover. This 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 game should be off the board. We don't know who the quarterback is. We got to pick NFC North games. All right, all right. Okay. Noon, Fox, Seahawks at Bills. Uh, all the best games this week are, are at noon, by the way. Noon, Fox, Seahawks at Bills. Bills plus three, home dogs. Ooh, I do love a home dog. Uh, Seattle's defense. A hot dog. Yeah, Seattle's defense is just... Ooh. Uh, but, the, but, but the Bills defense isn't very good either. Uh, with no crowd there, uh, I'll take Russell Wilson. I'll take Seattle. How long do you think this game goes? <laughs> Uh, the Seahawks are known for their long games. Yeah, yeah. The the Seahawks are like the NFL's version of Election Day. Ooh. Keeps it close and, and exciting. And sometimes the other team, you know, throws ridiculous challenge flags on the field that don't make any sense. Ooh. So you're taking the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take Seattle. Ah, I'm taking the Seahawks as well. Just when it comes down to games like this, you know, even though, you know, they're they're given three. Pick the better quarterback. I like Josh Allen. I think he's gotten a lot better. But Russell Wilson. He's Russell Wilson. Noon, CBS. Ravens at Colts. Colts, also a home dog. Plus one and a half. I like the Ravens here. I think they are probably pretty ticked off after last week's loss. Um, I, You know, the, the, the Colts are plucky. You know, we saw them here. Good defense. But I just think the Ravens have too much. Uh, and, and what I was think that word you used to describe them? Plucky. They they plucky. got some pluck. Okay. P L U C K. Um, gotcha. Got some pluck. I, I like the Ravens there. I just think that that Ravens defense is going to be tough uh, for Philip Rivers. I agree. Actually, everything you just said there. Uh, kind of a bounce back game for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens. They're better than what they showed last week as well. Uh, Colts, I, I, like every time you want to start to question the Colts, like you see their score sometimes, like early in their games, like oh this this is it, they're they're being exposed. They're down twenty one nothing to the Bengals, like this is it, and then they win. Resilient team, but I don't know if they have it in them for this. The Ravens, yeah, e- even given the points, give me the Ravens in this one. Seven twenty p.m. Sunday night, Saints at Bucks. Bucks are minus four. Give me the, uh, what's it called? The uh, Gronkineers, Tampa Bay. Give me Brady. What's ah. the what's the over-under on the graphic of the touchdown pass race between mm. Breeze and Brady? It's oh. got to be at least seven, right? Yeah, that's going to be up there a lot. I don't know, John Z, you and I watched that Saints team. I, I know it was, they were on the road in bad conditions. We watched that Bucks game, though. We did, we did. That Bucks defense was good. Yeah, it was. That's good. They broke down a little bit in the fourth quarter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've seen both of them. I, I certainly was probably more impressed with what the Bucks did here. And that was a road Thursday game. I shouldn't say I was more impressed. The Saints actually beat the Bears, um, unlike the Bucks. But I don't know. The, the, I, the Saints didn't, outside Alvin Kamara, I didn't see a ton from New Orleans to uh, have a lot of confidence in them winning or covering. No, I would say the Bears lost that game more than the Saints actually went out and won it. All right. That's it. The picks are in. I, I did miss the soundboard a bit, hearing Chris Emma's voice a bit and random questions about dogs, but uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Two podcasts down, my friend. 
We did it. We survived. I survived. You did. We miss you, Adam Hogue. Um, let you. We'll, we'll let him update you uh, later with what's going on, but he will be back. I, I think actually maybe on Sunday with our, our post-game podcast. So that's it. Um, be sure to subscribe to The Athletic, $1 a week. Uh, that's at uh, The Athletic slash Hogan Johns. Please check us out. You can follow Kevin Fishbane at KFishbane on Twitter, B-A-I-N. And follow me on Twitter, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Kev, that's a wrap. I'll we- see you on Slack on Sunday. I will probably text you three minutes after this podcast episode ends, my friend. I believe you will. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.